Ooh, the man of his word and the man of tomorrow. That's right. I'm here for you, baby. Just like I said I would be for the Star Trek update for May 2018. Nice little Patreon perk where, uh, boy, you know, I mean, it's just, it's so torturous. I have to sit down and for, well, to approximately an hour, sometimes it's less, I have to talk about Star Trek. Oh, man, you know, rough life, rough. Mm. <laughs> Of course, I'm kidding. Uh, I love this. <laughs> this is so great uh, and that people really love it. In fact, um, uh, I found out recently that some people really, really love the Star Trek updates and that it was a very important part of. Well, it was it was important to them. And I'm really honored by that. And uh, and a couple of those people know who they are. So, um, yeah, this is a, another month where. Um, I will not be joined, and, and it, this is totally fine, where I won't be joined um, by the lovely and hyper-intelligent Dr. Stephanie Murphy, the boss, and uh, and of course Ellen uh, won't be here either, so it's just me this time around, but uh, we'll get them back on for Star Trek updates in the future, uh, But because we still got to do our Voyager Top 8 and all of that, but we did, you know, the best, as the Sovereign Tech listeners call it, that's Brian, Ellen, and Stephanie, it's a, you know an acronym, um, the best did actually gather for some Star Trek action uh, this past Friday on May 18th 2018 of course this is again getting recorded on may 20th 2018 um and we got together and we went and saw uh in fact if you listen to episode 278 of sovereign tech which uh, the sovereign tech prime episode that just came out um you heard stephanie and i talk about it a bit because uh, of course uh, the boss was on for that Woo! And, uh, <laughs> but we talked about how we went to go see William Shatner uh, in Concord, New Hampshire. Of course, we're all in New Hampshire. You know, that's that's home, our lovely home. And we caught that. And of course, it opened up with uh, a screening, shall we say, of Star Trek Two. Uh, it was uh, just a wonderful, wonderful night. Um, I, I'm going to review that later. I'm going to I mean, I talked about it a little bit during the Sovereign Tech Prime episode, but I'm going to review that later. There's a lot of Star Trek news to actually get into um, this month in May. It's it's been like especially the past couple weeks or the past week or so more particularly. It's been hot as far as news uh, when it comes to Star Trek. So it's kind of a good thing because like, I mean, not that. Well, I was a little worried. If you remember earlier in 2018, I said, I was like, ah, uh, you know, like, I don't, we're not going to get season two of Discovery until 2019. And it's not like we have a new movie coming out. I'm not sure what we're going to talk about for Star Trek updates, but I know the patrons love getting Star Trek updates. Uh, and so, you know, I wasn't sure what we were going to do. And that's why I was bringing it. Part of the reason I was bringing on other than, you know, I just love spending time with them and, you know, doing things with them. But that's why I was bringing on Stephanie and Ellen, you know, so we could talk about Star Trek and all that and just have a good time with it. And, and, and it becomes it's still a part of the you know, it's still a Patreon perk um, because there's certain episodes I like to guarantee certain types of episodes every month that I like to guarantee to the patrons that you're going to get, like the relationship rhombus, the Star Wars update, the Star Trek update, the Wednesday Q&A's the live hangout, uh, which, by the way, I had said that the live hangout was going to be today on May 20th, and I had to push it back to next Sunday. But you can see the uh, you can see the post for that by just by going to SovereignTech.com or you get it in your email if you're a patron, obviously, and you're the only ones that get access to it. So, you know, the score. Um, but I but there was a change. So if there was confusion, I apologize for that. But there was a change on that. Um, anyway. So I, you know, I didn't know what we were going to do for Star Trek updates, but lo and behold, like there's been so much news 
that it's it's kind of a good thing that I get to talk about it in a more solo fashion because we still Stephanie and I we're we're, we're going to do this we're, we'll get we'll get Ellen caught up on on watching Star Trek Discovery um, certainly well before season two and you know everybody will get all we'll, everybody will get the, the best will get you know the, that unholy trinity will get all caught up on everything Star Trek that way we're all on the same page we could talk about this stuff but. You know, if you're a diehard and have the time, you know, to to really look into uh, everything that's going on in Star Trek, maybe some of this news you've already heard, but you're going to get my special take on it. I like to think it's a special take. A lot of people tell me I'm very special. Sometimes they mean that uh, in a good way, but only sometimes. <laughs> Just kidding. Anyway, uh, woo. Uh, so yeah, we'll we'll talk about the. Uh, uh, seeing William Shatner, um, it's not the first time I've caught Shatner, but we'll talk about seeing him. Um, we'll talk about. Uh, all, all of that we've got again we have some uh, some comic book reviews we're going to get into and we do have some very interesting news uh to get into as far as all of that goes uh i do want to say you know just opening up a couple things as far as like releases that are going on with star trek and that are specifically star trek discovery related um finally finally now i talked about this in past star trek updates i said all right this is really exciting qmx who is a company quantum mechanics that's what it stands for they release um, like re- often really high-end collectibles, licensed collectibles for various franchises, Star Wars, Marvel. Do- I think they even do Doctor Who, the new Battlestar Galactica, which fuck that shit. Uh, and they do Star Trek, you know, in Stargate. They, they, they do a bunch. Um, they announced at a toy con or maybe it's toy fair. I forget exactly which which one it was. But anyway, they announced a, a few months back that they were going to release uh, more badges from Star Trek Discovery. Now, I had already gotten the command badge from Star Trek Discovery when that came out. I think that came out like last September when the show like started. Um, they had that released. I picked that up. It's been on my gym bag for a while. Um, but when they announced that they were going to sell the black badges, which if you remember in the April update when we talked about that deleted scene from season one of Star Trek Discovery, uh, there, which by the way, spoiler alerts, folks. <laughs> I mean, if you're, if you're listening to the Star Trek update, you know, I hope you're really up to date on shit, but anyway, uh, but w- we saw now you see the black badges. Okay. From discovery, you see them in episode three of, of star of season one of Star Trek discovery. And then you never hear anything about it. And I've been complaining about that for months. I'm like, you know, could you give us something about this? And then finally we get that scene with Empress Giorgio where she gets handed a black badge and it would appear that that isn't that it absolutely is in reference to section 31. Um, and so I've wanted these, I mean, I wanted them anyway, but just cause I love everything being black and like, you've never really had that with star Trek, not officially, you know, not in Canon. And so I thought that that would be, you know, really cool to have one of those to begin with, but then to come to find out, which I had theorized that it was section 31 anyway, uh, which means let's be clear here, folks, that if you got black badged officers, on the USS Discovery, that means Section 31 is on the USS Discovery. Let, let's be very clear about that. Okay, so a lot of the theories about everything being Section 31 and all that, well, there might be still some truth to that. In fact, we might even find out that, hell, they knew that Lorca was from the uh, Mirror Universe. Uh, but anyway, well, we, we won't go any further <laughs> further than that. Who knows what Section 31 uh, knows as far as all of that uh, goes. But Anyway, so we, I, I finally, end of April, like literally by the day, I was refreshing the the, the listing because they finally put up a listing saying, you know, uh, and you could set up an email alert for when they're actually going to release the black badges. They, they released other ones, too. Like they released the cadet pad uh, badge that uh, Tilly, that cadet Tilly or now, I guess, Ensign Tilly would wear. Um, 
And I, I, I don't really care about that one. I don't need that shit. Uh, <laughs> I've been in this game too long. I'm no fucking, I'm not a cadet. <laughs> but anyway, uh, but finally, like every day throughout April, I was constantly refreshing, refreshing, refreshing. It's like, where, where's, you know, come on, you got to be selling these black badges. And it just keeps saying coming soon, coming soon. God damn it. Finally, finally, uh, like my hell might've been the first of May. Uh, it, or it was maybe the last week of April, something like that. It was just a, just a little while ago. Finally, it said, order now. Yes. <laughs> I instantaneously ordered three. Uh, one for myself, one for, of course, Stephanie, and the other for Ellen. And um, it, it was so cool. And I, I made like, in fact, I, I put a picture of this on my Instagram. And I talked about this, I think, in a recent top eight where I, where I talked, I told you this little story, but I'll share it here in case somebody didn't listen to that. Um, so I bought on Amazon, I bought these little boxes, okay, that, you know, like jewelry boxes that you would put like a necklace in or something like that. I bought those, I bought a bunch of them on, cause you have to buy them in bulk on Amazon. And then I, you know, got an image obviously off of, uh, off of the internet and <laughs> that, that was the section 31 symbol. And I just did some, you know, very, cause my, my Photoshopping, you know, my photo editing skills are very basic. And I just made something that's, you know, like this little picture that's a welcome to section 31 and it had the section 31 symbol and everything printed those out, you know, made three of them, printed those out. And then on my birthday, um, when, which man, best birthday ever, uh, really, um, when, when Stephanie and Ellen and I were together, we, you know, like I said, I was like, all right, well, I've got gifts for all of you. And I broke them all out and handed them over and it said, welcome to section 31. And Stephanie and Ellen just thought that it was so cool. You know, I mean, they loved it and they've been wearing them like almost nonstop <laughs> since then. And we all wore ours when we went to go see uh, William Shatner in Concord. We were all wearing our section 31 badges. I didn't see anybody else wearing those. Lots of people were, you know, in, in uniform, though, and, uh, you know, in, in cosplay, I should say, uh, at at, uh, at in Concord for uh, what are they calling it? Concord. Right. <laughs> on the 18th. Um, but again, we'll talk about that more later, but that, that was so cool. And it was so much fun because, you know, we're doing Star Trek forbidden frontiers right now. And, uh, like I mentioned in episode 278 of sovereign tech, um, now Ellen is actually going to be the editor, uh, for those stories and everything. I mean, and, and she's just brilliant, you know, and she's got a far better, I think mind for the English language. Well, she's got a far better mind, but you know, a far better mind for the English language and all that than I do. And so, uh, she's going to, you know, Make sure uh, all the I's are dotted, T's are crossed, if you know what I mean. Get rid of a lot of the typos and all that stuff. And I think it's just going to be really great because we really want to want to do something special with with, start, with Forbidden Frontiers, as well as the Sovereign Universe. That's part of it, too. Just right now, we're really ramping up because Star Trek's so hot right now. I want to take advantage of that. And that's why I'm pushing so hard with uh, with Forbidden Frontiers. And not that the Sovereign Universe is on the back burner at all. It's not. In fact, actually, um, we have to record new intros for that. Uh, so that's coming to you, but it's just, you know, it's taking advantage of the, the, the present media climate, um, that's going on in the entertainment world. And I think having a really sexy, really well done, and you know how I do erotic audio theater, I think it's going to drive people wild. I think it's going to get, bring a lot of people onto sovereign tech. And so, Hey, what the hell let's do it. Um, but anyway, but yeah, we're doing that, you know, and, and yes, it's true. Okay. Like people, I've had people email and ask, sure. Like when I write stuff. I get a lot of questions about creativity, so I'll, I'll, I'll talk about this here. Like I said, we got tons of Star Trek news to get into and some reviews to do. Okay, but when I write stuff, especially short stories. Now, I really love writing short stories. Writing a whole novel, ooh, 
I mean, I'm open to doing it, but man, that's going to be a tall order. Um, I'm a big fan of short stories because my favorite science fiction author and one-time friend, uh, well, I, I mean, I still like to consider him a friend. It's just we haven't talked to him forever. Uh, it's Harlan Ellison. Just God, the master of short stories. I mean, he really is. And I'm so, like, I've tried to emulate his style for, you know, ever since I was a teenager in so many ways, not just in writing. <laughs> uh, but I've tried to emulate his style. And so I'm very used to like, I mean, yeah, I read novels all the time, but I'm very used to, as far as writing and all that. Like I like the punch of a short story thing is a short story doesn't always lend itself to, you know, really broad explanations of what's going on. So in my own mind, not just for what gets put on the page, because I'll describe what people look like, but in my own mind, um, I like to use base characters that I write honestly, off of, at the very least physically, but often it's so much more. Um, I like to base it off of people in my actual life, you know? So I've had people ask me, well, is, you know, Lieutenant, is Lieutenant Talana based off of Ellen? Is Commander Varish Jen, the Betazoid, is that based off of Stephanie? Uh, yes to both. Absolutely. You know, <laughs> and Captain Damien Ivanov is based off of me. I mean, it's, it's easy to write and it's my call. I get to do it. You know, I mean, people say like doing that sort of thing is just like inserting yourself into your own little fantasies and everything. Well, fuck yes. It's my own little fantasies. And, and who the hell are you to stop me? You know? And the thing is, is that I know, and look, I, I don't mean to sound braggadocious, but I'm just telling you, I know how, especially with the audio work, maybe my writing, I'm not going to claim is that great. All right. But the audio work, I know how good I am. I know how good it is. I know how wild it drives people. All right. So, uh, you know, I get to call my shot. <laughs> there, there it is, you know. <sighs> so anyway. Um, yeah. So it was fun because, you know, and all those characters are Section 31. So, you know, both both Stephanie and Ellen got it. And it was, it was really sweet. And, and, and it's just a lot of fun to walk around wearing the, all three of us wearing those. <laughs> but uh yeah, so those are out. I recommend getting your hands on them. Um, I need to really I should be buying more because, you know, you can always lose one. And actually, I'm tossing the one I have right around right now in my hand. Um, you know, I mean, they're just they're so cool. And I can't wait for season two of Discovery to find out, you know, what's going to uh, you know, what's going to become of that, you know, Section 31. So anyway, um, yeah. And it, all right, real quick, uh, because I do want to talk about what's coming up with Discovery next month. Um, real quick, Star Trek Forbidden Frontiers right now in the Sovereign Tech newsletter, which you can sign up for at zog.email. Uh, but you also, if you're a patron, you get the stories in the Patreon feed anyway, um, or in uh, on the Patreon page. You'll you know you get an email notification. I think you can read it right from your email. Um, it is presently a three-parter that's going on, but the newsletter is going to come out in pretty rapid succession, so that way the three-parter kind of makes sense. Uh, and I will be probably going with Forbidden Frontier stories until the erotic audio theater of Star Trek Forbidden Frontiers comes out. So just so you know, you know what to expect with that. And then we'll go, you know, full bore with the sovereign universe after that. But it's so much fun to write Star Trek. And it's it's kind of easy for me, um, you know, because it in fact, I got great response from uh, from the first Star Trek Forbidden Frontier story that I wrote, which was Vulcan Incognita. Uh and and just said, wow, great writing, blah, blah. And thank you. I'm honored by that. Um, but it's really easy to write Star Trek because like, you know, kind of in my mind, <laughs> I'm living Star Trek anyway, <laughs> in my mind anyway, you know, <laughs> but regardless. Anyway, uh, so, you know, and if you want to be living up that Star Trek, well, next month 
in June. We are finally getting another uh, Star Trek novel. Uh, we've, been, we've gotten very few Star Trek novels really in the past year. Uh, and most of them have been Discovery, which is fine because, again, they are considered more or less canon. They, they, they're, they're called tie. The term they use is tie in, but they're more or less canon. So they're worth reading, in my opinion. Um, and we will be getting the book uh, Fear Itself, which is going to have a lot to do with, uh, you know, of course, our, our Kelpian, uh, <laughs> our Kelpian friend on the show, Saru. And uh, this is written by uh, James Swallow and which is a very unfortunate name, James Swallow. Uh, but that'll be coming out next month. And I will do I probably won't do the Star Trek update until that comes out on the exact date. And I'll, I mean, I'll read it within a day. But, you know, I'll do a review of that book come uh, next uh, the next update, the next Star Trek update uh, will be ready for that. But that's great because I'm glad the novels, again, are considered canon because it gives us something in between the dearth of Star Trek content, you know, like Star Trek uh, media to read. Not There's not a dearth of news right now, but the dearth of content, um, it's really helpful with that, especially with considering that the comics have really slowed down and we're going to we're going to do some comic book reviews later on in this episode but they have really really slowed down uh and it's it's actually pretty unfortunate there's quite a shakeup going on at idw which is a great comic books company in my opinion uh has been for a long time they're doing pretty much my favorite thing in comics right now which is the hasbro verse with you know uh, uh rom mask micronauts gi joe transformers all that in one universe it's it's really phenomenal um but yeah, with Star Trek, they've really shooken things up there. And I, well, I don't know what all of it's going to mean, but we'll talk about that a little more later. So yeah, keep an eye out for Fear Itself. I put a link in the show notes if you want to get yourself a copy. Uh, and of course, that goes through the stuff dot, or that goes through stuff.sexandsciencehour.com, which is the Sex and Science Hour Amazon link. So we get a little cut of it if you go through that. So I appreciate it. Um, woo, okay, so let's start talking some of this Star Trek news, huh? And I guess we'll open it up. Three big things um, that were that were announced. And th- I think the last one that I'll get to is probably the biggest of the bunch, uh, not to say that the others aren't any more exciting. So what ended up happening was this is actually this is like beginning of April or end of April. Uh, the story I have specifically from Trek Corps, which Trek is probably my favorite Star Trek news site. Um, I like the I don't know who all writes for it. It might even be just one person. It might even be one woman because the only videos I've ever seen on there of someone doing reviews is from a woman. Uh, and if it is, I mean, great. She's doing, you know, she's doing the Dark Lord's work here and, and bravo. Uh, but it's a great compilation website and they have like other other interesting stuff on there. But I love TrekCore.com uh, because like th- there's it sort of has this one voice and the re- the reviews are very personal as to where they're not so matter of fact. And I like that. Um, I mean, you get the facts. But the but the you know the posts and the news and everything does come off as very personal. They do reviews whenever new issues of comic books come out. Um, I mean it's it's really 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 nice. Um, so anyway, yeah. So back at the end of April, uh, the CEO of Paramount, uh, Jim Gianopolis, I think is his name. He made some announcements that, in fact, his first the first statement he made was that there are several Star Trek movies in the works, or several Star Trek movies being made. Several. Not two or three. Several. Now, who knows what exactly that number means. Of course, I always equate the word several with seven, but whatever. You know, uh, but then he, he kind of, he had to not backtrack really, but he, he pared down on the matter and said there are two presently in the works. So we have two Star Trek movies that are being 
made. That's the announcement. That's the official announcement from Paramount. Uh, Now, we're going to talk a little bit later in another news story about what's going on between Paramount and CBS, because that's a very ugly and interesting situation. But one of those movies here, here's here's some of the going theories. Okay, one of those. Well, we know one of the movies. One of the movies is being titled Star Trek Four, which you would assume is and there's been some proof to this that it's going to be the sequel to Star Trek Beyond. It's going to be the fourth film in the Kelvin timeline, and apparently it is going to deal with the story that was reported on back in 2016 that uh, they would bring back Chris Hemsworth for to play George Kirk, to play Captain James T. Kirk's dad, which he played in the 2009 J.J. Uh, Abrams movie Star Trek. Uh, and so that that storyline is apparently going to go forward. This leads into our second bit of news. And so all of this news kind of comes to get really, really kind of melds together. But anyway, uh, and that is that S.J. Clarkson, uh, she is being ta- she has been hired as the director for Star Trek Four. Now, what's important about this is there's a couple things. One, she is the first female director ever for a Star Trek movie. There have been female directors for um you know, for various episodes at points, even though they are very rare. I think actually Gates McFadden might have been, if I remember correctly, I think she, I think she had even done some directing, which bravo to her. But anyway, S.J. Clarkson, who is pretty well known. I mean, she has, I don't think she's done any movies, but she's worked on a very popular Jessica Jones Netflix series. Uh, She's done directing for a lot of different uh, television projects, but it's genre projects. So I feel pretty confident in her coming on board. Um, I think I'll tell you what, how else I feel about this. I mean, first off, you know, kudos, yes, to finally getting a fucking, you know, female director for a Star Trek movie. Uh, that's huge. Even though st- movies aren't really Star Trek's home, right? I mean, Star Trek's home really is television. So, you know, Star Trek has already been ahead of the game as far as bringing in female directors on its premier product in the past. So it's not like it's that new. But I think why this is important is because, honestly, Star Wars you know, which some still argue is Star Trek's main competition. I think they coexist fine. Uh, Star Wars has continued to completely drop the ball on this. I know they're bringing on like female direction help with like episode nine and stuff like that, but they haven't really brought on the goods, you know, and and Robin and I uh, in the Star Wars update, I think for March, we talked about this when they announced like uh, was Benioff and Weiss or whatever the guys from Game of Thrones. And we just instantly both said, oh, come on, guys, another set of dudes. Like, what the fuck? Like, can we get a female director? And why do you want a female director? Well, because you want you want what, you know, kind of like we were talking about in episode 278. Okay, I think there is a difference. There's no lack of equality, but I think there is a difference in what a female director can bring to the table uh, for a lot of things. When you look when you watch the movie Wonder Woman, you get the point. But like we were talking Stephanie and I were talking about episode 278, you know, women can please women sexually in ways that I don't think a man ever can. And I think that there are certain attitudes and platitudes that a woman can bring to the table for a production that are unique or at least rarer and 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 comes from being raised in this present uh, culture that is oppressive in a million ways, uh, you know, from a woman. And I, and I, I think that that's really I think that's really cool. I'm very excited to see what S.J. Clarkson is going to do. And uh, kudos to Paramount. Is it a PR move? Because right now, hashtag me too and all this other stuff. Yeah, I think that's a part of it. But let's not take away from the credibility and the credit 
of what S.J. Clarkson has earned in doing this. Um, I'm not going to take anything away from her, regardless of if it's some kind of PR stunt from Paramount or not. Um, one of the beauties of Star Trek has always been, and I don't think Star Wars can, can make this claim necessarily either, not when it comes to movies or, or you know, maybe certain certain venues uh, mediums that that Star Wars releases content in, but not not with the movies. But Star Trek has always been the expert at being subversive. It is the, in my opinion, is the most subversive media franchise in history, and it can sneak shit in. I, I mean, you just you don't notice it, you know. Or I, I think like the or should I say the bean counters, you know, that that in Hollywood and wherever else they miss it, they don't notice it. That oh shit, we got some truth out there, you know. We laid out some interesting stuff. Like they can always be culturally, Star Trek can always be culturally subversive. So even when sure CBS is just doing it for the money, Paramount's just doing it for the money, blah 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 blah. But I think I really think that Star Trek can actually pull stuff out, you know, can really sneak stuff under the table if you know what I mean, and and you know. <laughs> <laughs> like like a blowjob under the table in a restaurant and then everybody's coming because whoa you know <laughs> didn't see that and, and then you feel it and there it is i think star trek can pull that shit off you know so regardless of of what kind of pr stunt this might be this is still a great thing and sj clarkson i think is is really going to make a name for herself with this um as far as I want to talk about, because again, the, the previous piece of news is that we were getting two movies in production right now, one of them being Star Trek Four, the other being untitled, and we don't know much about it. Uh, I'll talk about that in a second. But to talk about Star Trek Four, so, you know, honestly, I could see this and I'm not the only person that's theorizing this. Uh, and you want to be careful with theories, okay? Especially when it comes to anything related to J.J. Abrams, which he's still kind of a you know a producer as much as he's working on Star Wars. He's still a producer, effectively, with with Star Trek projects. Um, I would not be surprised if Star Trek four will be the last of the Kelvin timeline movies and that they might wrap all this up to where, cause if you're bringing back George Kirk, which his death and the appearance of the Narada in, from the future, you know, from the prime timeline in the 24th century, back into the 23rd century, creating the Kelvin timeline. If you bring back George Kirk and George Kirk lives the day you know, survives the day, say, aboard the, 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 you know, the actual USS Kelvin, where the Kelvin timeline gets its name from, um, you might be able to close up the Kelvin timeline. And this might explain why uh, Star Trek Boldly Go, which was my 2016 pick for comic book series of the year, why Star Trek Boldly Go was ended in April with only 18 issues, especially when that comic was white hot. I mean, and, and just coming up with great stories and really, to me, Star Trek Boldly Go and Star Trek and the movie Beyond really finally sold the Kelvin timeline to me like that. This is legit. This is fun. Star Trek. This is the good stuff uh, that that comic book is really important. And I get I wonder if they're because they're talking about that Star Trek Four might fucking get. I mean, I can't believe this, but that it could it could be out in like 2019. I don't see how that's really possible. Tw maybe. I mean, maybe tw like January 2020, but 20 sometime in 20. I don't know. That, that's a bold claim. But maybe they can turn around that shit that fast. I don't know. Uh, I mean, you can do Star Wars movies in pretty short order, it seems. So, uh, well, maybe. But anyway, um, yeah, I could see that what they might do is they might, you know, with, with having it be about time travel, bringing George Kirk back. 
they might be able to close up the Kelvin timeline and just make it like this fun little side story that exists for all time. And then everything goes forward with the prime timeline. They might be able to do that. And something else that might point might point at that that's happening. Uh, yeah. See, all this news really, really melds together is that uh, Viacom, which is the head. So CBS broke away. Oh, when was this? 2000. Back in like 2005 or whenever, like 10 years ago, CBS broke away from Viacom, which also controlled Paramount. And that's when you ended up with the split where, okay, the Star Trek movies get made by Paramount. Actually, it might have been, hell, was it 99? I don't know. It was a while ago. Anyway, so this is when you ended up with that. No, it wasn't in 99 because it had to be after UPN and everything. Okay, so when CBS and and Paramount split, and you know, out of, outside of Viacom, um, you had a real split in who controlled Star Trek. CBS controls all of the episodic stuff, the television stuff. That's why they can do Star Trek Discovery. Paramount controls all the movies and movie distribution, okay? But CBS has been trying to do a buyout, effectively, of Paramount, uh, you know, to where they would have complete control and Star Trek would be under one house again, under one roof, and you could do very interesting things, okay? Um, But right now, there's a legal battle going on between CBS and Viacom, so that's not exactly happening, but, I mean, maybe they want to do Star Trek Four and just wrap up the Kelvin timeline because CBS is going to end up owning Paramount. And then they don't need a Kelvin because, they, you know, they won't need a Kelvin timeline at that point. I mean, because one of the arguments goes, one of the theories goes, is that the reason they did a reboot uh, of the or, you know, a remake effectively, but really it it's. They want to use the term reimagining, but it's just a very clever way of attaching to the prime universe. The reason that that Paramount did the Kelvin timeline in the first place was because that way they weren't beholden to what CBS owned. Okay, that's a theory, but I think there's a lot of legitimacy to that. And we've talked about that in previous Star Trek updates. Okay, Um, so if all if Star Trek ends up all under one roof again, all under CBS, well, then you don't need the Kelvin timeline anymore. Right. You know, and you could you could still use those actors to play their respective parts you know you could still get uh chris pine to play kirk in the future you know maybe an older kirk in episodes of discovery or oh well i mean probably not in discovery but in other i don't know other projects that are going on and we do know there are other projects happening with cbs for star trek um you know you could use zachary quinto for spock i mean you 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 know this could still be a good thing and it doesn't mean just because star trek 4 could be the last kelvin timeline uh movie doesn't mean that you still can't make use of those actors who just about everybody agreed no these actors were you know whether they liked into darkness or whether they liked what happened with the kelvin timeline and all that most people most star trek fans i think agree that these actors are killing it like i mean they are they are delivering the fucking goods as far as those characters go certainly zachary quinto is um carl urban i would argue i mean dr mccoy sells that whole series or you know sells that whole uh, set of movies that whole timeline in my opinion um and so i would love to be able to use them in some kind of future adventures and future projects that could be really, really exciting. We'll talk about one of those future projects in a second here, but uh, yeah, so Star Trek four, I could see this being a wrap up movie where, you know, everything comes full circle and you end up back on the USS Kelvin, but George Kirk survives. Uh, I I could really picture that happening. And I think it's not a terrible idea. I I actually, I think it's a fucking great idea uh, to wrap up the Kelvin timeline. And then you could make movies. I don't know if they're going to make discovery movies. I can't necessarily picture that, but then they could do something. Um, so now they did say they had another movie in the works, and most people are thinking this must be Tarantino's Star Trek, uh, which we talked about in previous um, Star Trek updates. 
So, but we don't know much about that. You know, we actually, we don't even know that that other movie is the Quentin Tarantino script. And also we don't know if Tarantino would write, be writing a movie for the Kelvin timeline, the prime timeline, or if he's going to write his own little fucking Star Trek. And, I, you know, I say go for it. Like, I, I'm actually okay with, as long as you pull off what J.J. Abrams did with the 2009 Star Trek film, as long as you pull off where you show that it's connected, that it's just an alternate universe or something and that it's connected, you know, go for it. In fact, hell, I'd love to see Tarantino do a Mirror Universe uh, movie. I mean, and the Mirror Universe is getting fucking pushed right now in Star Trek. I mean, it's getting pushed hard. Like, you know, I, I mentioned how in Star Trek comics, how, you know, we there's there's not as many titles. Titles are ending, blah, blah, blah. What's amazing is right now you have two titles running. You have the Star Trek Discovery comic called Succession, uh, which takes place in the Mirror Universe. And then you've got uh, the Through the Mirror, which is a sequel to Mirror Broken which was an awesome, one of the best, if not the best Star Trek comic I think ever done, comic series ever done. Um, you know, I mean, and that's all about the Next Generation crew in the Mirror Universe. I mean, the Mirror Universe is fucking hot. And obviously, we know how much of season one was about the Mirror Universe. So if they want to give Tarantino a project where it's all in the Mirror Universe, I think he'd kill it. I think that'd be amazing like and just brilliant because it would honestly explain away... <laughs> shall we say Tarantino's insensitivities and it would give him like uh, a really a blank slate to do that with you know within Star Trek so that could be really cool and that's just a little hope of mine I have no idea if that's actually what's going to happen I mean it, you know I just don't uh, so that's the news with that now here's the last bit of here's the third piece of news uh, as far as going on with Star Trek and this was kind of a I feel like this was the biggest news and really a stick of dynamite in the Star Trek franchise um, Nicholas Meyer last week was talking at uh, UC Irvine and I mean he wasn't there for Star Trek he was just you know talking about filmmaking and all that other stuff uh, and Nicholas Meyer of course is the guy who uncreditedly wrote Star Trek 2 The Wrath of Khan um, he also was the director behind uh, Star Trek 6 I mean he was director for Star Trek 2 as well or, you know as well um, and and he was you know very much behind Star Trek six, which two and six for most Star Trek fans and even non Star Trek fans are often considered the best of the original series films. I wouldn't argue much against it. I think Star Trek three and Star Trek one are actually the the real shining stars of the original series uh, uh, movies. But that's just me. And really, you can't have Star Trek three without Star Trek two. It doesn't have the same meaning. But I get that. But anyway, um, and granted, ironically, out of all that, Star Trek four is the one that actually has like the highest critical rating and had made the most money up until first contact came out. Was that 98 or 96? 96. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, uh, or maybe it was 90. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, not not for this conversation anyway. So Nicholas Meyer, uh, he was also uh, very much a part of of the early production for Star Trek Discovery, which gave people a lot of confidence in the production, uh, him working with Brian Fuller and, uh, you know, that 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 whole team and, and Kirsten Myers and, and, and everything or uh, Byers and, and all that. Like, it's really yeah, a lot of Iyers. Um Yeah. Nick Myers is a guy that you trust with Star Trek. When you hear him attached to something, you're like, OK, this sounds great. Now, we had heard like a rumor way back when Discovery was still, you know, in production and all that, that actually Nick Meyer got taken away from Discovery to go work on, for CBS, to go work on some kind of trilogy. Or, or you know, some kind of other... Not, sorry, I, I there you go. Cart before the horse. To work on some other Star Trek project, that he was working on a side project for Star Trek of some kind. 
Well, at UC Irvine last week in 2000, May of 2018, he comes out and he says, somebody asked him at UC Irvine, like, okay, so, you know, during his, his talk, like, you know, what could you tell us what this other project was? And he came right out and he said, uh, yeah, it's a trilogy that I'm working on. And everybody, you know, I'm sure in the room goes, <gasps> I mean, when I read it, I went, <gasps> it's like, holy shit, we're going to get a trilogy from Nick Meyer. I mean, who the hell knows what it is, when it is, what, you know, or what part of Star Trek it's all taking place with. Um, but that's fucking exciting as hell. Like, hell yes, give Nick Meyer a Star Trek trilogy. Let's see what this guy can do when you give him that kind of broad tapestry. Uh, I, that's exciting. Um, but he said that right now, because of the legal battle going on between CBS and Viacom, that that project is on hold. Not that it's been forgotten, but that it really just appears to be on hold. And again, like, like we were talking about earlier, CBS has been trying to really get their hands on Paramount and that would finally, you know, lick this. Uh, so I'm not sure, you know, when this is going to get cleared up, but Nick Meyer pretty much said, as soon as that gets cleared up, uh, yeah, he's ready to go with this trilogy. So who knows how... I mean, something you got to understand with Star Trek, and actually this includes with Star Trek Discovery. Um, Star Trek Discovery and a lot of CBS's plans with Star Trek between, really between, you know, since Enterprise ended, since the split, they've been doing a lot of stuff under wraps. A lot of stuff, you know, because legally they actually couldn't do a lot of shit because they have to converse with Paramount about anything that they're going to do. Okay. And so CBS, like Star Trek Discovery, there was a lot of work being done behind the scenes and, you know, under the cloak of night, as it were, uh, without Paramount knowing for a long, long time. So I could believe that this is actually this could have been a very carefully crafted story, for, you know, about that Nick Meyer got out there. I mean, you know, I don't know, but I could believe that this project is still being heavily, heavily worked on, especially with the numbers that CBS is seeing from Star Trek Discovery. I can imagine they they want something now and they don't they don't want to have to wait between production times of, you know, either a year or a year and a half between seasons of Star Trek Discovery, you know, to take advantage of, you know, the white hot nature that or the white hot uh, role that Star Trek is on right now. So this this could be happening right now. And Nick Myers just playing coy. But that's really exciting to hear that he has he has a trilogy going on. I mean, I, I read that and I was just like, oh, holy shit. Yes, let's do this. So, all right, that's it for Star Trek news. Uh, and I mean, and that's honestly, in my opinion, all that's very exciting stuff. I'll take more movies. I'll take a Nick Meyer trilogy. I'll take the whole damn thing. S.J. Clarkson, good for you. Uh, you know, I, I love it all. So, um, OK, uh, let's get into let's do some reviews. And the things we'll just review this month are the comic book series uh, that have been running and one that actually that sadly uh, ended. So I guess I'll start off with the, what I mentioned earlier uh, through the mirror, which it's Star Trek The Next Generation through the mirror, which is the sequel to the uh, critically acclaimed and acclaimed by me uh, mirror broken next generation uh, series. So we're only three issues in right now, but they are coming out very quickly. Uh, and there's actually, there's at the end of each issue so far, I don't know if this is going to go for five or six issues. I'm not sure how long of a run this is going to go. Um, but it's already off to three issues in it's having a lot of fun and it's a great start. Um, but at the end of each issue, there is also uh, ripe for plunder is the name. It's a, like a little mini series that they're doing where commander data is you know in the mirror universe that data that's like half borg is trying to find emperor spock from the mirror universe okay uh so through the mirror is a crossover between the next generation uh, crew 
from you know the prime universe and then the next generation crew from the mirror universe that we were introduced to in mirror broken and it was explained how they still exist that pretty much like we saw in deep space nine how there's the you know the bajoran klingon cardassian alliance uh that while the terran empire had fallen it it had only fallen back to where it more or less controlled earth and that's about it um and so that's why you still have like the that's why you have the next generation crew and everything you know you have captain picard and you have inquisitor troy that is so fucking sexy uh and so on so and and of course we saw at the end of uh, mirror broken that they end up stealing the enterprise which is this galaxy class ship, but it looks like the Enterprise from all good things. It's like the future Enterprise, which I love the look of that ship. I always thought that was so cool. Um, that's what they they're they're commanding right now, and so it's a crossover event between those two crews. Uh, and there's been limited interaction between the actual crews themselves, uh, even though Inquisitor Troy is being pretty seductive in the Prime Universe. Oh man, <laughs> uh, and and there's there's interesting stuff going on with that. Um, I've been enjoying this this little comic book jaunt. Uh, one thing that's really nice is that so it takes place very. I mean, because because. Uh, Wesley Crusher in the prime universe is, you know, he's on the con he's, he's ensign crusher aboard the enterprise D. Uh, so, you know, this isn't, you know, this isn't taking place like around nemesis or first contact or anything. It's taken place beforehand. Um, which is nice because then when they do the intro at the beginning of the comic, they say, Oh, you know, there's, there, there's an encounter with the mirror universe that had only happened twice before, which is cool because that means they're referencing the course, the original mirror mirror episode from, uh, from the original series, and then also the encounter that occurred throughout season one of Star Trek Discovery. Uh, so, yeah, it's nice to get a lot. There's a lot, actually, a lot of nods in these three issues so far to Enterprise, as in the show Star Trek Enterprise, to Enterprise and to uh, and to Discovery, which is really really nice. Like I, I like getting a lot of these canon connections within it. There's also a little bit of a connection to an IDW crossover that was done like a year or two ago, uh, where it was a crossover between Star Trek and Doctor Who, which I couldn't care less or I could care less about that, but it's there. So you know whatever. I mean that that's fine. It, it's not like they're admitting Doctor Who's a thing, but. You know, there, there's there's something that happens on a planet that was also within that that crossover series. Um, but overall, what you're getting is, is that the, the in the mirror universe supply lines for the Terran Empire are being cut off by the Cardassians and the Klingons. And what they end up discovering they can do is that they can go to the you know, the people in the mirror universe can go to the prime universe and get access to. Um, you know, to supplies from ships there. And so you're getting this real invasion from the mirror universe into the prime universe in the 24th century. Uh, and it's pretty cool. Like, I mean, the, the the way they're doing it is very clever and it's all working. And you know, it's just it's so enjoyable. This series is so cool with particularly the two characters of like Captain Picard, mirror, you know, dark Picard, as it were. Mirror Picard is really cool. And Mirror Troy is smoking hot smoking hot and also Barkley mirror Barkley is an interesting character as well uh, so you get a lot more exploration on that they could run I, I said this back when they started mirror broken 
they could they could run turn turn the mirror you know the next generation mirror universe into an ongoing series and they could run that for the next 20 years i don't care i think that'd be phenomenal um i love the mirror universe versions of these characters i love the story the way it all works out i mean it's it's just it's tremendous and i love that futuristic enterprise d uh even though for the um you know for the uh, for the empire for the Terran empire it's not really the enterprise d right but yeah such a such a cool and just fun little jaunt uh, and you'll see what i mean when you read it that it is it is very fun and it's interesting to also get the uh the mini series at the end of each issue where there's that search for uh for emperor spock which you find out or i mean which data does eventually find emperor spock um there is also something in there there's there's a moment where data encounters some vines on a planet um that I I didn't realize. <laughs> well, with Star Trek Forbidden Frontiers, that might get interesting. I'm just going to put it that way. Uh, but that was fortuitousness that 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 two Star Trek productions had a similar idea. But I'll I'll uh, I'll leave it at that. Uh, so yeah, so definitely check out through the mirror. Um, because again, and if you haven't read Mirror Broken, you want to hit that as well because this Mirror Universe stuff is is just is doing so well. Um, I'm not going to review the new Star Trek Discovery series that's running, which is Succession, uh, which is also in the Mirror Universe. I'll save that for when we're a a few issues deep on that. Uh, But it's amazing that, you know, 50 to 70% of what's coming out as far as Star Trek media right now is Mirror Universe stuff. I mean, they're really, really running hard with this, uh, which is part of the reason that I kind of wonder if that Tarantino movie isn't going to be something Mirror Universe, which would be phenomenal, even though that might be a little confusing for people. But I think people got it with Star Trek Discovery. So why the hell not? Go for it. Um, So, yeah, so so there's that. Uh, The Light of Kalos series is still running. I don't think we've gotten issue four yet. Not the most impressive thing in the world, but I already reviewed those issues uh, in previous Star Trek updates. So I'm not going to talk about that. Um, I do want to talk about, so there was the Star Trek or the Star Trek Discovery Annual, which came out in April, which was a, it was a 43 page comic and it pretty much had the entire thing had to do with how Paul Stamets, how Lieutenant Stamets, A, becomes Lieutenant Stamets, but B, how he discovers about, uh, you know, like how he comes up more or less with the spore drive and everything. And you find out in this, and, and it's it's interesting backstory, and that's really what it is, it's backstory. It, well, first off, you find out how he meets and falls in love with uh, Dr. Culver, that, you know, which that's nice, and you get a good gay kiss in the comic, which I think is great. Uh, you get that, you get more of the character that he finds on the sister ship, uh, to the discovery, which, you know, of course gets, uh, gets attacked or, well, there's Klingons that attack it. And then you have, well, you know, that creature <laughs> that was causing all the trouble on there, but you get to find out about more of his buddy that's on that ship and you get to find out how they kind of came together. So you get some nice backstory. Like it'd be really cool to read this and then go into season one of discovery because it gives you a nice, a nice chunk of backstory. Even captain Lorca makes an appearance in it, um, which is cool. And, Stamets, you find out that there is this particular mycelia, okay, and what it, it's one that's only found on uh, on asteroids, like in really deep space. So it's very rare that they can find it. So they explain a little bit of that, like okay, well maybe there's just not a whole lot of this particular type of mycelia anyway, uh, and it's like Stella Vortis is the name of it, which means star paths. That's the name of the of the the particular mycelium that he goes after. And that he ends up making the spore drive out of. 
so you get all the explanation around that, how he came up with the idea. Like they do this interesting thing where they, you know, they say that this mycelia operates on the quantum level where he puts an electrical charge into like an, a disconnected uh, piece of Stellavortis and then it gets transmitted, like completely transmitted, not just like wireless communication, but like replicated, like entanglement into, you know, like quantum entanglement into another uh, a piece, you know, disconnected piece of Stella Vortis. And so this is how he comes up with the idea that, oh, we could use this for transporters. We can, and they do use it for transporters in it uh, and where we could use this for, you know, for, for a spore drive, you know, as propulsion and everything. Um, and you get. You, you also get uh, Stamets like he has a very anti like at first he has a very anti Starfleet um, attitude, anti military attitude, which I think is a healthy thing to always have. Um, and, you know, Starfleet's not supposed to be the military. Well, they were just in a war. So I don't know. You tell me what that is. But <laughs> regardless, uh, that was cool. Um, it's it's a it's a well it's a totally worthy read and throughout it you find out about this character spoiler alerts you know about this like really young woman who is an expert in you know in what myconology or whatever that's called or in, within it astro myconology which is you know mushrooms mycelium and at the end of the book you find out that that's actually cadet Tilly and I thought that was a nice touch and she makes an appearance at the end of it. I thought that that was really cool. So they, they really, it is a very nice prequel comic to season one of discovery and it leads you right up to it. Uh, I mean, I, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, the idea of what did they call it? They, I think they called it organic entanglement instead of quantum entanglement. That was interesting. You know, like they're trying to, to put some pretty hardcore or trying to make up as only star Trek can some very interesting, uh, technology, you know, come up with some interesting technology to explain, you know, what they're doing in the show. Uh, and so I thought that that was cool, too. Well, well worth the time. And probably I mean, it's you know, we don't have a lot of Discovery comics, but it's definitely if you're going to read a Discovery comic, that's the one to read. It, it's easily the best of the bunch so far and maybe the best story overall um, next to. As far as like tie in material next to Desperate Hours, the first discovery novel which i think is just required reading it's a brilliant book um by was that david mack not dayton ward i think that was david mack that was fantastic so uh yeah so definitely enjoyed star trek discovery annual for 2018 that was phenomenal um now in, t- in 2008 or in april 2018 we also ended up with issue 18 which was the final issue of the kelvin timeline uh comic book sequel comic book really uh star trek boldly go that has that takes place after star trek beyond and has to do with kirk uh, commanding the USS Endeavor while the NCC 1701A is getting finished, is getting built, like you saw at the end of Star Trek Beyond. Uh, this has been a tremendous comic book series all the way. And like like I said earlier, it really solidified the Kelvin timeline for me, along with the movie Star Trek Beyond did it too. But it really solidified it for me. I just thought it was fantastic. Uh, and, I, and it's really a shame to see it go. Uh, you end off the last storyline, which has been Itik, uh, had to do with, and I've, I've talked about this in previous Star Trek updates, had to do with like all these, mul- you know, Kirk's from all, you know, and Enterprise crews from all these different uh, uh, universes, alternate dimensions. OK, and like there's a plant one. There's one where Kirk is actually uh, like he's an orphan with the Klingons. I mean, like there's all, all these crazy stories. There's like a female con in one of them. I mean, it's really, really interesting stuff. Um, and I feel like they had to wrap it up very fast and I don't know why they wrapped it up very fast. They did put a, you know, they did put an end to the story. What you find out effectively is that Gary Mitchell, who of course, if you remember from where no man has gone before is Kirk's buddy that becomes pretty much a God, uh, and Kirk has to kill him, which, 
you know, speaks well for Star Trek back in the 60s. The first order of business for the captain of the Enterprise is he has to kill God, <laughs> which I'm sure atheists appreciated but <laughs> and still do. No, I'm, anyway, you, you get my point. Uh, so you find out that, well, no, actually, there's Gary Mitchell is running around in or at least from the Kelvin timeline, which that in the original Star Trek, which was the series was just called Star Trek, but it was in the Kelvin timeline, the comic book series from IDW. Um, you know, they go through the Gary Mitchell story and everything, and, and it does kind of end up different. So you have this where you find out Gary Mitchell. The reason why all these different Kirks are coming together is because he's trying to kill Kirk in every universe. Like he's he just wants total revenge against Kirk. Uh, and. Well, the way that it all ends up is, you know, is interesting. Um, But because of finding, you know, Kirk, there's a point where Gary Mitchell, like Kirk tricks Gary Mitchell into making him a god. And when Kirk does this, this is important to bring up. So spoiler alerts, but this is important to bring up. Uh, Eventually, Gary Mitchell, Gary Mitchell does not die. Kirk does not kill him. He kind of outwits him a bit, but he doesn't kill him. And Gary Mitchell says he's, you know, like visits him at the end of the of the series and says, you know, I'm still out here and I'm still going to wipe you out at any given moment. But Kirk responds to him and says, well, it's like, yeah, you took away my godlike powers that you gave me in the first place. He said, but I still have all the memories from all of those. And I know that in some of those universes, everything's all right. And you see a point where he sees George Kirk still alive. And I think that's or, you know, he, he thinks to to a time to one of the universes that he was as a, that Kirk as a god could experience where, you know, his dad, George Kirk, is still alive and well and he grows up with him. Um, and I think that that's that might be really pointing at what Star Trek four is going to be about and pointing at the fact that the Kelvin timeline is going to come to an end uh, and that it. If it does, I mean, I don't know. I don't know that Gary Mitchell is going to make an appearance in Star Trek four. It'd be interesting if he did, if that was pointing at that, then we'd know why this kind of ended in that way. And again, look, if this movie's going to come out somehow, come out in 2019. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty fresh memory, you know, for for a series to end 18 issues in April of, of 2018. And then I guess I'd kind of understand it. But you could tell that there are a lot of stories that could still be told in this comic book. And, and again, it's one of the best comics I think running was one of the best comics running. Uh, you know, not just because it's Star Trek, but just bar none. It was a lot of fun and great dialogue and everything. It was really cool and uh, interesting ideas, like even the Idic, the five-part Idic storyline, which finally came to an end. Um, so, I, yeah, like it ended good, but it also felt kind of rushed. And damn, I want to see more of that explored. And like even some of those alternate universes, like with Simon Grayson, who is like this version of Spock from another uni- from a alternate dimension that or an alternate universe that um, he accepted his human side and not his Vulcan side so much. Like that was a really cool character. Or even the Klingon version of Kirk with the, the orphan where he's not Klingon, but he's raised by Klingons, uh, man, really cool stuff to explore. I hope we get a chance to do that more some somewhere, somehow, but who knows what IDW is doing? I mean, they're obviously pushing hard with discovery right now and they're pushing hard with the mirror universe overall. And maybe all these things are pointing in directions of where CBS and Paramount are going to go. I, you know, I, I can't say, um, but they're not. None of this is really bad comic books, but it's it's kind of uneven or it's really it's not uneven. It's just uneven that they're ending their best shit, you know, like like they're ending boldly go uh, new visions. I, I'm going to do a full review of new visions in the future because I need to read that whole series through. Uh, that's more of a photo novel thing. But, I, you know, the, what I understand of it and the couple issues I had read, I thought were great. Um, it's just weird that they've got these hot properties and why are they canceling series? 
you know, that's that's what's odd about it. And the light of Kalos one that now that again, I haven't been totally impressed with. But regardless. So anyway, that's what's going on in Star Trek comics. It, it's largely good stuff, but some of the best stuff's coming to an end that I don't know what they're thinking is, but I'm sure it'll make sense in a year. That that's the only thing I can tell myself uh, as far as that goes. So, and if you haven't read the Star Trek Boldly Go series, well, now you you can read a cohesive whole of all eighteen issues. But I do recommend also reading the previous because Boldly Go is just a sequel series to the Star Trek comic book series that took place in the comic uh, in the Kelvin timeline. I recommend reading both of those. And like I've said many times, the movies even reference what happens in those comics, or particularly in the Star Trek uh, self titled comic for the Kelvin timeline. Um, and maybe we'll get a reference in Star Trek four to what went down in boldly go. Uh, but there are, you know, there's still like, there's that organian crew member. There's, there's storylines there that weren't tied up and I'm really disappointed by that. But well, like I said, in a year, maybe we'll know more and why, uh, all of that happened at IDW and what's going on with their shakeup. So, okay, let's, let's get to this. We're, we're at almost an hour. We're going to end up going over an hour. Let's talk about. Concord, <laughs> which is uh, when on May 18th, 2018. Now, Shatner has been doing William Shatner himself has been doing this. He's been making this round for a little while, actually throughout New England. Um, I was going to catch him, I think, back in April or maybe it was end of March. He was uh, he was near Boston in Massachusetts. I was going to catch it then, but I didn't get the chance. Uh, so but I ended up we ended up seeing he ended up coming right to New Hampshire. Well, OK, I'll see that. Uh, and so we went to, you know, went to Concord, New Hampshire for it. It's $100 a ticket that or I think the cheapest tickets were like $59. But, uh, it, you know, I mean, this was not a cheap movie going experience. Yeah, you're going to see Star Trek 2. It was the director's cut that they were playing. So I think they were playing it off of the Blu-ray, which that's fine. It's a great transfer. I, I reviewed the Blu-ray in the past. It looked beautiful. Um, so they, they it was the director's cut that we ended up seeing. And, um, you, you, you know, you sit through that. And the theater that we went to, you heard my review of the theater, like how it had a lot of had an Egyptian motif and everything. That was pretty nice. Uh, I got to tell you, though, the fucking seats were uncomfortable as hell. Like I was really squished in. I mean, I'm a bigger guy, I know. But I was sitting next to a guy who was a much bigger guy. uh, You know, I mean, you know, and I don't necessarily mean muscular. I mean, a much bigger guy. And like I was kind of being squished against Stephanie and Ellen. I was like, oh, shit. And I mean, like I my my knees were, were definitely hitting, you know, the, the seat in front of me. It was, I thought I was getting pretty comfortable seats. I don't know if there was a comfortable seat in the place, but overall the theater was pretty nice. Uh, the sound was good and everything, you know, that, that was fine. Um, so Stephanie Allen and I were there, you know, we're watching the movie and what's really nice. So the director's, I mean, there's parts of the director's cut and I've talked about this when I think when I reviewed the Blu-ray release, um, in a Star Trek update, there's parts of the director's cut where like I'm I, and I think it's just because I'm so used to the original version of the film, the theatrical version, I should say, that like it sounds weird when there's a little bit of dialogue snipped in the middle of, of a scene or where there's an alter, alternative take that's used. Uh, it comes off as weird to me because most of the, especially the original series, Star Trek films. In fact, it annoys the hell out of Stephanie. I can quote them. Like, I mean, I can say the lines before the actors say them. Like, I just, I've watched those movies so many fucking times. Uh, and so it always feels a little weird when I watch the director's cut for Star Trek II. Uh, other movies, not so much. It's not so odd. Like, like, the director's cut of Star Trek The Motion Picture. I mean, Star Trek The Motion Picture, there's so many different versions of that. 
you know, like the only thing that's ever weird with that is whatever version I'm having to watch. Like, I'll know when a scene's not there that I know from another version of the film. I mean, that just gets weird. But like Star Trek six, that's been the like there's been ever since I think it's been on home video. There's been an extra six minutes added to that film. Um, I don't know the movie really without him, and I don't know if I'd even miss it if 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 it didn't have that six minutes. Uh, so you know those movies not not so crazy. Uh, as, as, as far as you know, where where it like kind of disjoints me when I'm watching it. But the director's cut of Star Trek Two can be a little disjointing at times. But it was really cool because the you know when you're in a room. I mean, obviously, I told you the ticket price, so you're you're not going to this on a lark, right? You're you're going to go to this because you're a Star Trek fan and you want to see William Shatner. When you're in a room full of people, of passionate Star Trek fans, watching a classic movie, one that people have like either memorized like myself or just know very well, is a lot of fun because you got people laughing at various lines whenever somebody says this or when Khan does this, you know, everybody's like, woo, you know, or they're laughing and everything. And I mean, and that's that's a lot of fun when you do that. Uh, and when you're in that kind of thing, it's almost like going to, you know, a midnight show of, uh, you, you know, the, whatever the Rocky, uh, Rocky horror. Right. You know, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that, that that was really nice. That made it for a very enjoyable experience. Um, seeing Star Trek two again. I mean, I can watch that movie and over and over again. I didn't feel bored at all, uh, you know, watching it. And uh, I mean, there was a lot of laughter and, and, and everything going on between the three of us. I mean, that that, that was cool. Um and then, so the movie ends, though. I mean, there's not much else to say about Star Trek 2. Whatever, we watched it, it's over. Then William Shatner comes out. And they have this guy who comes out as uh, kind of the host to ask him questions and everything. But William Shatner leads it, and he sort of tells the story. He starts telling the story of Star Trek The Motion Picture, how it got produced and the problems that were involved with that, and how it was kind of a miracle that Star Trek 2 even got made, and you know how it, Star Trek 2 was effectively made by a television crew not, um, you know, a, a motion picture crew because Star Trek one was so over budget. I mean, all stories that if you've been a Star Trek fan for a while, you know, these stories, right. Um, and you know, Shatner's over 80 now and he's telling the stories. He's doing a pretty good job of telling the stories. Now, like I said, I've seen Shatner before, you know, and I've seen him tell some of these stories before and everything, but it's, it's appertinent to what's going on because we just got done watching Star Trek two. And so he's talking about it, you know, what, what the production like was like and everything. He spends about five minutes doing that. Um, or five to ten minutes, maybe, talking about that. Then he sits down and he takes questions that were asked uh, by people um, at the event. And, in fact, I think there was a couple of other free staters there that got in some some questions because uh, I recognized the names, and they're kind of unique names. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, because sometimes they'd only say the first name. And I'm like, yeah, but I know who that is. <laughs> and so... Uh, so that that was kind of nice. That was interesting. Um, and I did see some other free staters there as well, which that was cool. But, man... Um, so Shatner's telling these stories. I don't know. Like, like there are points that were hilarious. Some of the stories that he's told, I've heard before, like he's told them before at other conventions and everything. Um, and I got to admit, he was, he was like memory wise, because like I said, I've seen him before and he was always really sharp as a whip. I mean, just really, really something he didn't, I don't know. Like, like he, I, I felt like he really forgot a lot. And he would kind of trail off. It's, I mean, the guy's over 80. I get it. Okay. But I'm just saying he kind of trailed off a bit at, at certain points. And he made some of his, and this is what we talked about on the Sovereign Tech Prime episode, where he made some very, you know, off-base comments, uh, in my opinion. 
But overall, he was funny. You know, I mean, it's William Shatner, right? I mean, this is, you know, this is a very unique guy uh, that's lived a life that only he could live, you know. And 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 overall, his stories are very interesting. The questions, some of the the questions were interesting. Like one funny one was box was it boxers or briefs? Somebody asked him, and he answered with depends. <laughs> you get it? The the entendre the depends. You know, adult underwear <laughs> or mature underwear. <laughs> that was really that was funny, and he got to use that joke again later on. Uh, that that was hilarious. Um, you know, Stephanie Ellen and I were we were laughing pretty hard at that one. That that was good, uh, but <laughs> um, I, and I you know I don't know how much any of that is ever planted. I haven't talked to anybody that saw him at any of these other venues. What you know, if, if he copied his shtick at all, I'm not sure. Uh, but yeah, like I say, overall it was it was pretty funny. But there was some stuff that was a little tone deaf, I thought, um, and nothing like terribly unique. I mean, I I wish somebody would have asked him, and I'm sure he got to pre-approve the questions, of course. Um, I wish he would have talked more about like tech war. I wish he would have talked about quest of uh, quest for tomorrow. Uh, you know, some like his novels and everything. He did talk about his music quite a bit, which that was nice. He mentioned about has been, he said he has two albums coming out this year, uh, which I'm excited about. I love his albums. Um, audio, the ancients, my own work where I write the music and I often do the performances though. In the most recent one, the Emerald tablet, um, Stephanie and Ellen were actually the ones that, that, that were doing the performing. Um, like I totally based that on, what he did, his dramatic performances that he's been doing for decades now with his albums. Um, so he talked about that. He brought up my favorite album, 2004's Has Been, which I think is just tremendous uh, that he did with Ben Folds. I mean, it was, it was awesome. Uh, he talked about that a bit. So that was nice because, like, you know, really I want what I want from Shatner hearing him talk. I want him to, you know, yeah, go ahead. Talk about Star Trek, though. How many stories can you keep telling over and over again about that? Or, you know, talk about talk about Tech War. Talk about uh, Manowar, which was his Mars uh, book series. Talk about Quest for Tomorrow. I'd love to hear him talk about Quest for Tomorrow and what was going on for him with that. Those are the things I really want to find out about because I think those are really well done. And like his his time with, I mean, he wouldn't even mention it. Like he mentioned T.J. Hooker. Uh, he mentioned Boston Legal, which that I like hearing about Boston Legal too because I enjoyed the hell out of that show. Even though you know lawyers, come on. Uh, you know, he talked about that. But he didn't bring up tech war at all. Like, I would have loved to hear, heard about him telling stories about working with Greg Evigan because he even though he wrote or, well, came up with uh, the novel series for tech war, which was a very popular novel series in the 90s. He even had a comic book. I would have loved to have heard about that. Um, in fact, Antarctic Press, I think, re or no, maybe it's Blue Water. One of those ended up redoing or, you know, restarting uh, the tech war comics. But I don't think they went any further than a couple of issues. Um you know, I would have loved to hear him talk about the TV series that he did for USA uh, of Tech War, where he worked with Greg Evigan, because I thought that was a killer TV series. I mean, you had four movies, you know, four TV movies, and then you had that awesome little series. It was phenomenal, way ahead of its time. Uh, so I was disappointed that nobody there like bothered to ask him about that. I mean, because like I talked about in, in the Sovereign Tech Prime episode, in episode 278, you know, I'm not just a fan of Captain Kirk. Like I'm, I was I was a huge fan of William Shatner himself and everything that he would do. Yes, Kirk is the impetus for it and the starting point. But I was really a fan of William Shatner. I thought he had so many cool ideas and so many interesting things. And the guy was just such a dynamo. Um, I mean, talk about somebody I've tried to emulate. You know, like with all the different productions that he does, where he does music, dramatic performances, he does writing, he does acting, he does all this other stuff. I mean, that's he's part of the inspiration for why I've tried to turn Sovereign Tech into the Sovereign Universe and, you know, turn it into effectively, for lack of a better term, a multimedia empire. Totally based upon what, what he's been able to do, because it's like the guy doesn't fucking sleep. 
you know, and I guess I don't either, <laughs> which I need to change that. Um, but so I was kind of disappointed that, that we weren't able to get into uh, those questions um, at all or, you know, that nobody asked him about that sort of stuff, because that would have been really interesting. But maybe people did. And he just said, no, I don't want to talk about that. I could I could totally believe that. But overall, it was entertaining and there were some very funny moments and everything. Um, I think it, it was a worthwhile night. Uh, I you know, and I said this to, to Stephanie and Ellen, I mean, like I'm always worried that, you know, at any point because of his age that he's just going to drop dead. I mean, we've already lost DeForest Kelly. He told a great story about DeForest Kelly too, about like toast that he were DeForest. I'll, I'll say this quick. We're DeForest Kelly. Uh, he like, they're on set for, for one of the Star Trek movies. And he says to, he says to William Shanner, he says, you know, it's like, Bill, I think, I think, man, I'm, I think I'm losing my mind. Like, I think I'm, I think I'm getting dementia or something, you know, uh, which is believable because I mean, the, those guys were getting very old, especially in the later films. And so, so William Shatner pulls, he's telling the story. He pulls this trick on DeForest Kelly where he has Leonard, Leonard Nimoy come in and say, Leonard, you know, distract him. And, and so DeForest Kelly starts making some like bagels or something on set and Leonard Nimoy would distract him. And then, you know, when he'd put in the bagels, William Shatner would run up to the toaster and take the bagels out and then restart the toaster. And then when that way, when DeForest Kelly would walk over to the toaster and it would pop up, there weren't any bagels in there. And, you know, D would be like, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? And then he'd do it again. And then they, you know, the whole thing, like, like Leonard would distract him again, you know, whatever. And he'd do it like two or three times with the guy. And then finally, DeForest Kelly was like, Shatner, you son of a, you know, because he'd realized that Shatner was pulling a stunt on him to make him think that like he was putting in bagels, but he wasn't and that he was getting dementia. I mean, it was, it was interesting. It was, it was a, it was a funny story that, uh, that he told there, but anyway, but we've lost, you know, we've lost Leonard Nimoy. We've lost DeForest Kelly. We've lost James Doohan. Um, there's concerns around Nichelle Nichols health now. That's a whole other fucking ball game. Um, you know, it just feels like a matter of time and I'm scared to death of that. So no matter what, no matter what was going on, I wanted to make sure I said, no, you know what? If I got the opportunity to see Shatner again, I want to see the man one more time, you know, just to be able to say I saw him one more time, see what he was like before he went, you know, if he goes soon. I, and please, I'm not. I hope he never does. I hope, you know, life extension technologies come out and he, you know, him and Patrick Stewart are two of the first people saved or something, you know, <laughs> or or uh, it's used on. But man. Yeah, his age shows. So, like, I mean, it's starting to show. As to where just a couple of years ago, I don't think it showed at all. But, like, the way he's talking and everything, it, it, you know, I mean, he's still he's still brilliant, obviously, in so many ways, uh, despite his conservative issues. Um, yeah, I. well, I'm glad to have seen him, and I am honored to have gone to go see him, uh, you know, with the you know, the, the, my two favorite people in my life, you know, the most beautiful people in my life, that being Stephanie and Ellen, uh, that was, that was really great, uh, to experience that with them. Um, so overall it was great. I think it was well worth it. You know, going to see Star Trek two, that's cool. Uh, in fact, Ellen said she hadn't seen the director's cut. And so that was, that was interesting for her. Uh, Stephanie had never seen the movie before. Um, and so that, that was nice, you know, to take them to see that, uh, and then, you know, and for it to be right in New Hampshire, that was awesome. Uh, but then, to, you know, to at least see Shatner one more time, whether or not his performance after the fact or, you know, what he was doing was uneven. That doesn't really matter. Uh, it was just it was really it was really cool to see him. And, you know, 
now if something tomorrow ter- terrible happens, I won't feel as terrible about it because I'll say, well, at least I got to see him one more time. Because when, when Leonard Nimoy died, well, I mean, first off, that hit me like a ton of bricks, as it did a lot of people, okay? And, you know, I, I've talked, I, well, I dedicated an episode of Sovereign Tech to him. I talked about it. Uh, I talked about it on uh, during a climax during a Sovereign Tech Prime episode. Uh, when he made that tweet, uh, you know, two, three years ago, saying that, look, if you need a grandfather, um, I'll, I'll be your grandfather, you know, like, like meaning I'll be your kind of your surrogate grandfather, or whatever. And like, I, like I said, I took that to heart because I lost both my, uh, I lost all my grandparents. I lost them years ago and it was really nice to take them on. And so I always call him grandpa Nimoy, you know, or grandpa Leonard. And, um, I was really mad at myself that I didn't take the opportunity, you know, to, to catch, to see him one more time. I was really, really mad at myself about that. Uh, you know, at the very least, I want to be one of the people that they can hear giving them one more round of applause. It's important to me to do that. Like, I, I want I want to do that. Um, and and there's a lot of people, I mean, where I know, I mean, and even if I had all the time and money in the world and I don't, not even close, if I did, I would, you know, I, I know I wouldn't be able to get to everybody that I want to, that I'd want to give them one last round of applause, you know. Uh, but these are the big ones, you know, Star Trek is so much a, a part of my core, so much a part of my being. How could I not want to? And, and how could I not feel driven to? So I was glad to give Shatner at least one last or one more standing ovation that he gets to hear. Again, I hope nothing happens to him at all, but just planning for the worst. Um, so it was an amazing night and it was so wonderful to spend it with those two ladies. Uh, yeah, just an amazing experience. So, and I know Ellen enjoyed it, you know, and Stephanie, Stephanie thought it was pretty wild and yeah, it was, it was really great. So yeah, um, that sort of thing. I, I'd like to see, like, I would love Patrick Stewart to do that with, I don't know, first contact maybe. Like, I think that that could be a lot of fun, that kind of tour like that, that could really be pretty wild. Um, this sort of thing can happen more often. Like, and I know it does. I know in California, this sort of thing is very commonplace where like the director will either come out before or after the film and, and talk about it or hell like the rock, you know, will come out after one of his films and surprise the fuck out of everybody at the theater, you know, and he'll start talking about his movie and everything. I, this is a, this is one way. And, you know, we're talking about star Trek two, which is a classic movie. This is one way to get asses in seats in theaters. Okay. And, and to make money. And again, you know, you can say, well, but you can't cover that with, you know, a, a 12 to $20 movie ticket. Okay. Then you charge 60 to a hundred or 60 to 150. Like there's a VIP package, which sold out instantly. I guess I didn't get my hands on those uh, as much as I would have loved to. Um, but the VIP, I think it was like 150 or 160, something like that for this, where you got to, you know, a little meet and greet with Shatner, which that would have been great, but that's okay. Um, but no, when you're charging a hundred dollars a head and you're filling up, you know, these classic theaters, yeah, I mean, this is you can make some money doing this. Uh, and I think studios could really I mean, you can only do it at certain theaters, right? Because obviously there's only one of the actors or one of the directors or whatever. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think that there's a model to be to be made with this uh, as far as how can the theater business stay afloat in the future? 
Um, that's one way to go about it. I mean, again, it's it's not something that you can exactly scale, and that's a problem. But it could make for some very unique experiences that people would would pay top dollar for, um, I think. And yeah, so anyway, th- this is really cool. I like this little tour that Chatner's on. I'd like to see this kind of thing happen more often with classic movies, um, which I mean, that's part of it too, right? Is that well, that's a whole other conversation. Why don't a lot of theaters play classic movies? There are some that do, but because I think there's money to be made with that, definitely. Uh, yeah, I, I this is an interesting model to run with, but I, I really enjoyed it uh, overall. You know, even though, like I said, Chatter was a little uneven at the end. Um, but overall, it was really great. Uh, and, and again, you know, just getting to spend time with those two ladies is, you know, of course, means the world to me. So, all right. Anyway, there's your Star Trek update for May 2018. Talked a lot of news. Uh, got some reviews in for comic books uh, and some, you know, sadness that's going on with comic books, quite frankly. Um, and got in some other little little fun stories and a review of William Shatner in Concord. I mean, that was I never, ever would have thought that that would be a thing that I would be paying to go see William Shatner in Concord. That's that's remarkable. So, uh, yeah. So good times overall. And uh, Star Trek. I mean, right now, like, let's be clear. Star Trek is. You know, I've been using this term throughout the whole episode. Star Trek is white hot right now. It is what it's not red hot. It's white hot. It's a big fucking deal right now. And and its future is looking pretty damn good, even though with the shakeups at IDW and everything else. Overall, you got Paramount saying they're going to make several movies. You got Nick Meyer potentially working on a trilogy. Uh, you have, you know, season two discovery coming on. I mean, you got so much shit happening. Uh, you know, Star Trek's experiencing the very beginnings of a real renaissance right now. So it's a great time to be a Star Trek fan. It really is. Uh, in fact, maybe even a better time to be a Star Trek fan than a Star Wars fan, ironically, even though there's cool stuff happening at Star Wars as well. Um, of course, on next week's Sovereign Tech Prime episode, that'll be episode 279. Uh, you know the deal when a new Star Wars movie comes out because solo Star Wars story is going to be happening um, and I'm catching it. In fact, uh, it's going to be me, Stephanie and Ellen seeing that as well. Um, there, I will do an entire hour review. I'll take I'll take the whole second half of, of the Sovereign Tech Prime episode of episode 279 coming this next Saturday reviewing this movie. And I know there's going to be a lot to talk about. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's going to be really cool. So if you want your Star Wars fix, that's going to be happening. And, of course, uh, Robin and I will do a review of it as well um, for the uh, Star Wars update coming out for May, which will be out, uh, I guess, in a little over a week or so. So anyway, that's it for your, again, your May Star Trek update. A lot more content to come out this week. Some other Star Trek content actually to come out this week. And, uh, of course, the Wednesday Q&A and so much more. I will see all of you woo, on the other side. <laughs>